This is an ABC podcast. The best of Can You Be More Pacific? with Sarah and Dean on ABC Radio Australia. Bulabinaka and welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nagama and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Dean Halatau. Fakalofala here too, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Dean Halatau and we are away this week, but we've got some of our best bits, including interviews with Wallaby sensation Daniela Tupo and one of the trailblazers for women's rugby in New Zealand, Crystal Koa. We've also got some of our favourite You Can Ask That and, of course, a report from Peter Purcell. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we are very lucky to be joined by Queensland Red Super Rugby player and 38 Test Cap Wallaby, Taniela Tupo. Taniela, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Just to kick start this interview, could you please tell our listeners where you reign from in the islands? I'm from Tonga, obviously. Uh, growing up in a little village called Baini. Um, left Tonga when I was 14 to go to New Zealand. And um, yeah, um, left New Zealand when I was 18, straight after high school, to come into the Reds in 2014. And um, I've been here since. Taniela, is uh, that, that journey that you've made, obviously from Tonga over to New Zealand and then into Australia, was was the purpose always for you to to find somewhere to get to where you could uh, explore rugby and, and play rugby? Uh, not really. Um, it was tough at the time um, when I when my mom got a call and she got told that I've got a scholarship to go to New Zealand. Um, I was only fourteen at the time, uh, with no English. Obviously, um, I didn't want to go because it just because I didn't know how to, you know, speak the language. And um, I remember my, my mom said to me, you know, if you want a better future, you have to leave Tonga. So I did this thing about myself and uh, I got up and I, and I left and I went to New Zealand. It was very tough at the time. Um, I'll tell you now that I was in um, thinking, I never thought I'd be a rugby player because I just didn't think I was, was for me. So when I finished school, um, the Reds um, contacted me and said, look, uh, we want to sign you. And, um, and I said, right. Uh, the reason why I wanted to sign the Reds is because my brothers were here in Australia and there was a way for me to, you know, uh, be together with my brothers again. So that's why I signed with the Reds. So when we came here and um, and I was like, okay, I'm here now. I don't really care. I just want to end up, you know, staying here with my brothers. And, and things changed. I came in and started playing and I thought I played all right and played some Super Rugby games. And, um, and I just, yeah, I'm here. I'm in a Wallaby. Wallaby since then. Yeah, you've gone from strength to strength. Uh, and it's been great to watch that progression. You mentioned a couple of times now your brothers and, and, and also your, your mom. And uh, I guess how important is family uh, to you in your life? Uh, very important, mate. You know, uh, they're, they're everything. Uh, the reason why I do things. And um, uh, it's just because uh, the way we grew up, you know, we, we had nothing, but we, we managed to. Um, to be there for each other, and um, now that I've sort of uh, got something, um, I want my family to have something. And now that I'm, um, how do you say, it? I want to be able to have a family one day and be able to look after my kids and not have to go through what I went through. That's really special to hear, Taniela. Knowing where you are now, you are in 
Wallabies camp. You've had such a huge career to date. Did you ever think as a kid that you'd be where you are right now? No. Um, the answer says, uh, no, because honestly, I was the biggest Wallabies fan. Um, growing up in Tonga, I used to walk, you know, a few kilometres just to watch the, the Wallabies play, um, you know, South Africa. I still remember James O'Connor score winning try against South Africa. I still remember him scoring a winning try against the All Blacks um, back in the days. And I used to love Greg Cooper and Will Ganya. And again, they're yeah, one of the reasons why I went to the Reds. And uh, if you ask one of my uh, schoolmates in school in New Zealand, when the All Blacks played New Zealand, I'm, I'm the only one in the school that goes, maybe one or two of us that goes to the Wallabies. But, you know, never, never ever thought that, I, that I'd be able to play for them. And um, that now I'm, you know, playing for them, I can say I'm actually living my dream. It's so crazy to hear you talk about that because the players that you grew up, I guess, fanboying over, the likes of the Quade Coopers and James O'Connor, you get to play alongside them now. How yep. was that first moment that you got to represent the Wallabies? It was special, man. Um, I remember uh, the Reds came to New Zealand um, when I was in school. Um, I, I had no money at the time. I didn't know how to speak English or whatever. So I got, a, got the bus um, and train to the airport just to meet Morgania and, and Greg Cooper. And then when I got back to the hotel, I uploaded my Facebook and I sent him a message to Greg Cooper to his fan page and be like, hey, Greg Cooper, my name is Daniel Tupo. I'm a biggest fan. Um, I'd like to, I don't know, play. I can't remember exactly what I said. I'd like to play with you one day or whatever. And then there was, I never got a response, but I, the first time I saw Grady, I showed him the, that message, I showed him the photo. I see have the photo and everything. It was just special to like go from fangirling in to now playing alongside him. That's an awesome story. I love That's, that. That, that is, so is so cool. cool. Like to, to be able to, like as you say, to to be such a fan. One, I'm so surprised that you're such a fan of the Wallabies, having come from Tonga, spending time yeah. in New Zealand. Remember, remember, I told my manager at the time because my manager signed me as a, at a very young age, and he told me, "Who's your favorite player?" And I said, "Look, Quade Cooper." There's one time I changed my Facebook name to Quade Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call catfish, Taniella. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, what do you call it? Um, I think my manager got a hold of the of Quady, and then he called me, and it was his school, but I didn't answer because I didn't know who he was. And then I got a text saying, "Hey, uh, I'm QP. I uh, just wanted to call and see how you are. You know, blah blah blah." And then I copied and pasted what he said, put it on my Facebook, put it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was just you know, literally. Now it's normal. Now I'm starting to forget about it. But, man, I used to love Quaid Cooper. I love hearing stories like that. Like hearing that, that one, that you love the game so much and that you're such a fan and that you're so grateful to get the opportunity to do that alongside the guys that you idolised. Um, yes. I, I guess the question – actually, you didn't you say a couple of seasons ago that you wouldn't mind wearing the number 10 when you in one of your Super Rugby games? That <laughs> yes, you, got the you said that last 10, season. Yeah? No, no, you know um, – I just want to give the boys a chance because <laughs> there have been some new faces that have been added into this test camp in the likes of David Parecki and, you know, there are a few other lads there with him. How competitive is it right now for positions um, for the first test in Perth? Very, very. You know, it's, um, it's funny when um, it's not a bad thing, actually, you know, when you come into camp and obviously uh, there's five or six players in each position and you're fighting for a spot, but like, 
you've been here for a little while and you're sort of like, you know, um, it's time to compete and it's time to like learn and, you know, it's, it's fun to see some of the new guys straight into it and like, you know, trying to compete and it's good, you know, it's good for us, good for them and um, I think um, they'll be good, um, good for us. Dave Barak is good, um, awesome season and um, yeah, looking forward to this. I've got one last question before Sarah wraps things up. Uh, what's some advice that you have for young athletes and, and perhaps some young athletes out in the islands that maybe want to follow the same path that you've gone? Um, um, it's funny because I got interviewed yesterday and um, they asked me some similar question. Similar question. What I said was, if tons of people can do it, you definitely can do it. Um, you know, I, I, the phone. 14 years old to 18, that four years was a really tough few, you know, few years for me. You know, it wasn't easy trying to learn the language, uh, the homesick. Remember at the time I was only 14 and uh, to go through all that, um, not knowing that I was going to be in this position right now. But I am here right now and uh, I was just an, I was just one of the normal kids in Tonga or in like, any, I could be anyone. You know, if I'm, my advice for any kid out there, if you re- if you want to do it, you can do it. You know, you tell your mind and your body, uh, and you'll be able to achieve it. And if man, if a pet, be kid from Tonga can do it, you can do it. That is incredible advice, and Tanielle, it's been. Incredible. It's so humbling for Dean and I to be able to hear your story of where it started and where you are now. You've grown to be a household name. Rugby fans all over the world froth over the Tongan Thor, and it's um it's been so special to be able to touch base with you ahead of the English Test. Before we let you go, we'd love to run a segment with our guest called Tip On. It's basically sixty seconds of rapid fire questions, and if you're keen, we'd love to have a crack at it with you. Oh yeah, no worries. Okay. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Listening to, um, reading. Oh, what? Yeah, skip that one. Yeah. Who is your most annoying teammate? Most Angus Bell from the Waratahs. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Who is your sporting hero? White Cooper. What would be your wrestler entrance song? Um. Oh, it would be some Tongan songs. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite movie as a kid? Uh, Remember the Titan. Who in your team is always on their phone? Samu Karevi. I believe that. What's yep. something you could eat for a month straight? Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you're a Cadbury ambassador. Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Scotland. Which teammate has the best fashion sense? Best fashion. Oh, not many of them. I'll tell you. Um, oh, great Cooper. QC, QC. Oh, and the last question is, who is your favorite Wallaroo? <laughs> I would have to say you. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kidding. I was just testing your knowledge. Just testing your knowledge. <laughs> Tariela, thank you so much for joining Dean and I on Can You Be More Pacific? And um, keep doing your thing. You're bloody changing lives at the same time. No, thank you very much, guys. Really do appreciate it, and thanks for having me on the show. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific?
It's time for our favourite part of the show, You Can Ask That, where we um, get a question from any one of our listeners that might be burning in their mind that they want to ask a former or current player. Um, if you want to send us a question, you can send it to us at our Instagrams. Uh, I'm at Dean Hullitow, and you can reach Sarah at Sarah Nangama. And yeah, any question that you want answered, We'll be willing to give it our best crack and see if we can give you some uh, something nice. But the question we've got this week uh, comes from Tash from Laotoka, and the question is, what would you do differently if you were starting your career now? Oosh, Sarah, good question. Big question. big question. I think mine is pretty simple. I would have started to do conditioning sessions much <laughs> earlier <laughs> to build my running capacity. But genuinely, I think that if I ran – while I had structure to my running when I was younger, it would have been a little bit easier for me in my adult life. But then in the same regard, I always talk about, oh, fitness, oh, running. Like, I'm not horrendous at running and I'm not unfit. It's just running is tough and it doesn't get easier, even if you're doing it for a very, very long time. <laughs> you know what I think of? Like, I, I know like a few guys that I train with are like really good runners and I'm, I'm the same. I was never really a good runner. Um, but like you run 10K runner. in 50 metres. No, meter no, no. I was never really a natural runner, but I think about the guys that are good runners mm. and I wonder, do they hurt as much as I hurt when they're running yes. faster than me? Because I think they do. They're just faster at it. Or they can stay in the, they can stay in the, 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 the suck for longer. Yeah, like for me, yeah. my pain threshold is just like, she's a bit touch and go some days, but I just think some people that, you know, like Bronco time and Bronco for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's like running... T- 20 metres, 40 metres, 60 metres, hitting the baseline after every rep, times five, as fast as you can. You're basically accumulating 1.2K. And, you know, the most, I wouldn't say the most elite, but the fittest girls in our team will finish like early five minutes. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm a strong 6.30. But I did get a PB (laughs) just before Christmas. I hit 5.50 and I'm proud enough to share it on radio. (laughs) What's your fastest Bronco? Uh, Five minutes on the dot. Oosh. He's a but there's, but there's yeah, there's some there's some dudes that run that run that really quick, eh? Like it's a it's a hard run because it's a hard run because you do it at high intensity, turning turning often. Um, but yeah, the, I think a lot of I don't know a lot of guys that I know that were really fit and good runners. They just were always like that when they, like that. They'd run cross countries at school and win them, and um, or be like See? one of the best cross country like runner and cross country from when the kid start running when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into that sort of running, and then you'll be better. When you, I like that one, but yeah, cool. do more running when you're younger. <laughs> what about you, Dean? What would you do differently? Uh, I, I would work more on my skills because I. Oh yeah, I'd that sort too. Of, yeah, I'd love to be like. I wish I was um, a really skillful half or a. Or a, like I played dummy half, but I wasn't the most skillful. I just kind of had to adapt and learn how to play dummy half as I was already in first grade. So um, I would have been, yeah, tried to be a good kicker, a good passer. And I think that's a really good point about being a little bit more skillful because I think if I spent as much time on running as I did with skills, I'd be a different player. <laughs> I feel really inspired. Now I want to go pick up the ball and do some reps. <laughs> well, and I also like this is, and I don't want to don't want to think about it this way, but. The highest paid players in my game are the most skillful. Yes, and they're the most valuable players, dare I say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that it's all about that. I love playing the game. But yes. Anyway, that's what I would have done different. Um, I, don't know, I always listened to my coaches and I always uh, did what they asked of me, but I probably could have gone looking to do more. Ah, <sighs> that feeling. <laughs>
So there you have it. That's exactly what we would do differently if we were only starting our career now. So if you've got a question, please feel free to send it through. You can find us both on Instagram. Dean's handle is at Dean Halladale and mine is at Sarah Nangama. This is ABC Radio Australia with the best of Can You Be More Pacific with Sarah and Dean. Time to change the pace as we head over to PNG for a report from Peter Passal. Today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to PNG Rugby Chief Executive Officer Silosi Druma. Silosi is from Fiji originally, but he's been living in PNG for a very long time. And he's, as you would imagine, been involved in the rugby union scene for all those years, since 1993, I believe. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show, Silosi. Thank you, Peter, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, Salos, so just tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you came to PNG, and obviously you've got rugby union through your, in your blood, and you've been involved with the sport for a long time in in many areas, coaching, refereeing, playing, even. Uh, just tell us about your experience in uh, PNG since you came. Thank you. Um, I first came to Papua New Guinea in 1993 when I was still at uni in Australia. I came here for a holiday, and then I made up my mind that I will return one day. And 1995 is when I came back, and I've been here ever since. Um, as a Fijian, we love our game of rugby and was quickly involved in playing for some clubs initially in those early years, uh, played for Harlequins, played for Wanderers, and New Guinea at that time, they had a team. Uh, you know, but you know, we grew up um, knowing all of our friends, and at the end of uh, probably uh, 2000 and Seven, when we established our own club called Southern Chiefs, uh, that's where uh, you know I, I I involved myself as an administrator for the club. So that's where we all started from, you know, in '95 when we first came. Um, so I'm here now with my family. I've been um, uh, fortunate enough, you know, to be involved in the code. Uh, and um, this year, with the new administrators, uh, now have a role as a CEO for PNG Rugby Union. All right, and you've also refereed. Uh, you've refereed actually extensively, um, and you've got, uh, I think, a level one or two refereeing uh, certificate. Yes. Um, when I commenced work with Papua New Guinea Rugby Union, uh, I became the training education uh, education um, coordinator. Uh, that's involved delivering uh, world rugby courses, and I fell in love with um, being a match official as a referee. So, all that power. Uh, <laughs> Well, you know, I've, I've involved a lot in, you know, match officiating and, uh, you know, it's it's been wonderful. Um, I now hold a level two as an educator and also be able to ref, um, you know, uh, some, you know, big games. Um, uh, but my passion is it, uh, in rugby is mostly to do training and education, you know, getting the knowledge back to some of our younger players who decide to, 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 to officiate. Uh, and that's one pathway which we really want to to grow uh, throughout the country. All right, now that you're in the hot seat, you are the chief executive officer for P- the PNG Rugby Union. PNG Rugby Union has actually struggled over the last decade or so. Uh, management issues, administration, not enough funding coming through, some other issues uh, with the unions around the country. But finally, we you have a, a an office, a head, headquarters in Port Moresby at the Sir Hubert Murray Stadium, and a new management uh, sponsorship coming in. Uh, just tell us quickly about uh, the new developments that rugby has seen and also your role as CEO. Thank you. Um, 
I think from my brief knowledge, rugby has been in the country since 1960s. Um, it was fla- first played here, this particular stadium, which we now call the home of rugby, the Sir Hubert Murray Stadium. Also the place where PNG became a country, uh, you know, becoming independent right on this particular ground. Um, you know, um, to, to, to see the growth of rugby come a long way, there's been a lot of challenges. 2017 was the big impasse where there was split uh, in the administration. Um, rugby was virtually, you know, not moving or became stagnant. We saw this uh, uh, in most of our provincial unions. Uh, they were not playing any rugby, but we're very fortunate that everybody came back together. They held the AGM last year on the 25th of September uh, with World Rugby facilitating that AGM for the first time. And I'm really proud to be part of the team now. Uh, you can see we, with our staff here in the office, we've got, you know, everyone getting involved back. So um, sponsors, obviously, they've, they've seen that we organize now. They're now backing us up. And thank you to our president, Paul Siwi, who did all the groundwork, talking to, you know, the government. For the first time now, they came in a big way. So we're very happy to see the growth and also everybody coming back together, um, you know, we're very happy with the partnership and with this new board. Uh, and hopefully we can deliver most of our goals that we put down in our strip plans. All right. One of those key goals would be for the Sevens team to uh, be a permanent fixture on the HSBC Sevens circuit, maybe? Men and women. Yep. So that's one of our goals, you know, um, with the backing of, you know, sponsors now and we're having on this new facility we have a, a new high performance unit uh, set up here already so we're very excited and hopefully we can prepare our athlete better and be competitive in the international stage uh, any development programs that uh, you'd like to mention uh, we spoke about uh, one with the uh, deaf rugby before uh, this interview started can you tell us a little bit about that yes so um last year we applied for a a funding through the australian sports partnership and we're very fortunate to receive that. And that program is called the Inclusive Project, where we involve more women and deaf uh, uh, people. So this is their second year of running. So we've actually grown the number of deaf uh, uh, players. We now have East New Britain Rugby joining in. We have ECPIC started last year. We have Central and we have Medan coming this year, apart from NCD. So we have a big number of deaf players that have joined. So they've now become an affiliate to us because for them, their World Cup is in Argentina next year in April. So the program is to get these deaf uh, unions to have a trial here in Port Moresby, finalize a team and get them into the high performance program. And hopefully they can go and represent us uh, better in Argentina next year. Right. Salosi, Druma, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure listening to all the good news about rugby union developing in the, in Papua New Guinea. We hope to hear from you later on in the year, perhaps, when uh, some of these tournaments uh, start. But uh, other than that, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. All right. It's back to you, Dean and Sarah, in the studio. It's good to hear what's happening in rugby in PNG. Obviously, some plans from Salosi to try and boost the game and, and get plenty more people involved. Yes, it's music to my ears, really. It's it's sensational, and I think the more um, intentional effort that's put in, particularly from the smaller islands, to see the game grow, um, will only put it in good stead for years to come. Goal to be on the uh, seventh circuit is pretty good. I like that. Is that's it pretty lofty? Huge. Lofty, yeah. Lofty, but like if you if you put it in sight, that means that people will work to see it happen. And if you want to work to see it happen, that means you're going to have to do some strong, strong groundwork to recruit the talent. So it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Look forward to seeing how they go.
Can You Be More Pacific? With Rock and Cav on ABC Radio Australia. Oh my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Still to come, we've got our interview with Chiefs Manawai head coach Chris Akua and we talk about Dean's very best social. time on Can You Be More Pacific? We're very lucky this week to be joined on Time Old Time by Crystal Kowa. She has just been recently named the new head coach of the Chiefs Manawa in the Alpiki Super Rugby Competition. Uh, Crystal, thank you very much for joining us on Can You Be More Pacific? Morena Fano, um, thank you for having me. Well, I'll get started with uh, asking you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and uh, yeah, you as a person? Um, I'm from the mighty New Zealand, but also um, Whakapapa, um, up north to Te Rarua, um, Iwi, and that's like a really nice, beautiful place um, in Te Hapua, at the very top of the North Island, uh, but I was brought up in Gisborne beachside, oceanside, and um, have been in love with rugby, I suppose, since I was five when I started playing. Um, got to coach young. At 19, I started coaching, so I've been coaching half my life. And then I suppose I love rugby, but when I started coaching, I found the love of coaching just so much more. You're able to give back in ways um, that change lives, and yeah, now I'm lucky enough to for the last five years, I've been doing that as my job. And so um, it's taken me around the world. I've been able to coach in Japan and in Nicaragua and Borneo um, and all different places. Uh, and my family, I've coached with my husband a lot of the time. And so I've been able to travel the world with my family. Got two young boys, eight and ten, right in Kona. Um, and they've got to travel the world. They're both fluent Japanese speakers. Um yeah, so it's been it's been an epic journey, and very blessed and grateful to rugby, to be honest, for the life that it's um, allowed me. Your roots in rugby started at such a young age. Was the sport something that your va- that your family valued a lot? It was funny when I started playing. Um, I went straight into the forwards, and um, I remember my dad putting me on the wing <laughs> because I was like the only girl on the team, and I hated it on the wing because when you're five, you do not get the ball when you're on the wing, and so I, I um, took a little hiatus from code until I was in, um, till later on at um, high school, and then yeah, I, I again started in the backs and went from twelve, and then worked my way into seven, then. Eight, then 16 lock, and then I stopped at um, 34, I think. At eight lock, I wasn't willing to move closer to the front row. And so, yeah, <laughs> my family are <laughs> big rugby lovers. Um, and, yeah, I think that's a, a really good thing about New Zealand. Like, you've got a rugby ball, touch ball, league ball in your hands from a young age, whether it's um, bull rush in the backyard or um, playing code at lunchtime with um, your mates, you know, we're, we're surrounded by oval ball sports here. Yeah, it's, it's one thing um, that, that often over here in Oz, we see so many talented kids come out of New Zealand and, and 
what you just mentioned there, the, the fact that you, you grow up with the ball in your hand and you're um, constantly refining those skills as a, as a youngster, it's um, no doubt the reason why we see so many um, that, that, that are successful. You mentioned also having to play as a youngster uh, in, the, in the boys' competition and um, being the only girl on the side. Can, can you give us a bit of an insight as to the, the pathways that are, that are now available for uh, girls and, and women in New Zealand, in, in rugby in particular? I think it's a good thing that um, girls and boys play together um, up until um, intermediate high school here in New Zealand. And so girls can play in like mixed teams all the way through. Um, and then at high school, they start to move into um, women and men's and it works well. But you also now have at a primary school level, full girls teams and full girl competitions. And so you have both pathways that you can take as a real youngster and then moving up into high school, the pathways were 7s and 15s with that high school age is really good. Um, we're starting to move into chief competitions for just our region. So um, there's high school, then there's regional, and then there's national, like at that young age. And the good thing is there's some schools that can't put together rugby teams, but um, in New Zealand you can play for other schools if you are in love with the code. And so it allows more people to play the game. Once you start getting up to um, the national level, um, there's there's still that gap between um, we've got fully professional rugby players at um, the national level. Now Opiki it's the first... Um, kind of semi-professional rugby outside of our national team. So you've got 15s and 7s who have always who have been contracted for the last few years, or 7s for a long time. But under that, there had been nothing. It had all been amateur, um, all for the love of the game. And so now to have a competition that is semi-professional where um, players are coming in and being paid, uh, it allows us to take the game to a different place. And you see what's happened in England um, and what they've been able to do with the competition. And um, it makes a big difference. With Super Rugby Old Picky, we saw how successful the inaugural season was. Heading now into next season, there's obviously, a, a, I guess, an expectation that the game will just go to the next level. And looking at the, the landscape of New Zealand women's rugby, it is phenomenal. Do you feel, I guess, a, a strong sense of excitement amongst players that if they play really well within this competition, being a black fern is much more attainable than they think it is? I think the brilliant thing is within our FPC competition this year, the level of the game moved. And I reckon that was a direct result of people knowing that there were Opiki contracts at the end of it. And so we've literally, about six weeks ago, finished our um, FPC, which is like a regional competition. And then from that, our Opiki contracts have been put out. So we've just finished contracting yesterday for Opiki. Um, and then out of Opiki, the next lot of Black Ferns contracts don't come till the end of Opiki. So Opiki is literally a platform to put your hand out for the national team. So we now have a genuine pathway from club to FPC, FPC to Opiki, Opiki to national level. And we haven't had that before. It's uh, it, it certainly is. Uh, it sounds great that that opportunity does exist and like, there's a clear pathway uh, for girls and, and over there in New Zealand. I guess um, for yourself, uh, now being the head coach and, and, as you say, having to contract players out of FPC into now the OPICI, uh, how's that been for you, having to get out and um, 
watch rugby to, to recruit? Do you have a team with you that that does that? Do you have scouts that that are out watching games as much as possible to try and tell you or let you know who the who the players to to try and target are? Um, I was involved in FPC, so I suppose I was on the ground um, level, got to see the players throughout the FPC season across the whole country, and so that was awesome. But I was actually in um, South Africa with the New Zealand Sevens when I got the job, um, and it was I got the job on day one of World Cup Sevens, um, and then contracting started um, three days later, and so at the end of the World Cup Sevens in South Africa, contracting started. And so the last three weeks has been awesome. Uh, it's been epic and we've got a good range of athletes from last year, like our players um, coming in from last year are going to be important. I don't know if you understand the competition. As a, because it's semi-professional, we can only bring players together in contracted times. And so we have a connection weekend where we can't train and then we have two two-day weekends and then we have pre-season one game and then we play so we have four I'd say training days together before the competition starts so it's a really like we're not at the end game of where we need to take it to um, it's still a starting point I'd say the competition form and the time together in terms of pre-season but it is exciting because you know this is a starting point and it's only going to grow from here so much to look forward to, Crystal. I just got to ask, what do you believe your coaching style is? I think it's that balance between love and performance, <laughs> that kind of sweet spot of culture and ensuring we create a space where people can be uniquely themselves but for the team. Uh, it, I always say it's um, what you're great at. That is the reason um, you're going to be able to impact and change the team. And you've got, but you've got to do that for the team. And yeah, so I'd say it's a, it's the balance between caring deeply about people um, and being able to communicate with them, and then holding them accountable to the performance standards and where we need to go. That would probably be my coaching style, and probably ruthless but honesty. <laughs> ruthless but honest. I love that. Well, Crystal, again, I just want to say um, congratulations on securing the head coach role. You certainly are an example to a lot of players who would like to transition that way and just women in general to, to be able to take spots that are predominantly do dominated by um, men. So thank you so much for childblazing in the way that you do. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, Krista, we can't let you go too easy because we love to run this little segment with our guest called Tip On. And basically, it's 60 seconds of rapid fire questions. Would you be down to play before we let you go? Yeah, what kind of questions? I'm keen. Yeah, it's just rapid fire questions. So fun, lighthearted, one, one answer kind of questions. Oh, yeah, sounds fun. All right, cool. Let's do it. And the clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Uh, oh, what am I reading at the moment? Oh, I'm actually writing at the moment, writing a book. Love, oh, love it. Who is your sporting hero? Ooh. Oh, so many. Um, I don't Oh, I'm such a... So many people. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I would say... Let's go on the next one. I'll come back to it. Okay. What was your favourite movie as a kid? Greatest achievement. What was your so favourite movie? 
favourite movie as a kid? Uh, Lion King. Yep. Favourite place you've travelled to? Oh, uh, Nicaragua or Croatia. Do you have a hidden talent? Uh, I'm quite artistic. Quite artistic. So we learned two great things. One, you're writing a book. That is very, very cool. Can you shed a little bit of light on that? It's called Hunting Freedom. Um, I suppose I was brought up uh, with a bipolar mum and life was really tough and difficult. And um, I suppose my want and need to understand my own headspace and help others understand theirs comes from that life of chaos when I was young. And so, yeah, I really want to write a book for my kids and my nieces and nephews um, to help them navigate life and for people in general how to manage their way through hard times and I suppose I was always hunting perfection as a young person but when I moved my headspace to hunting freedom life changed for me so that's what the book's about. Oh, that's awesome, uh, Crystal. We, we can't we? We'll share we'll share that with our listeners when uh, you get to a point that it's uh, it's hopefully ready to be published. That's um that's really cool to to hear that you're doing that. Thank you once again for joining us on the show. We wish you all the best uh, for next season in the Super Rugby Old Picky. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Krista Collis. She is the head coach of Waitamo Chiefs Manawa. We wish you all the best for the upcoming Super Rugby Old Picky season in 2023. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? You can ask that. Back with another week. Back with another question. Our favourite segment, of course. Honestly, it really is. This one's a goodie. Yes, this week this question comes from Taylor in Cronulla, actually. She's a local. So good to hear from Taylor. Uh, The question is, what athlete's career would you love to have? Ah, in the word of Jay. So many, so many athletes. So many, but in the word of Jay Cole, there's no life better than yours. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Philosophizer. But it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I've certainly had to think about it, but I'm keen to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. So I, I was, when I was looking at the question, I was like, going, oh, who's the, the biggest athletes that I've, that I can remember. And then I was thinking, if you want to take on the athlete as their on court or on field career, you've also got to take the off field stuff with it too. So my first thought was Tiger Woods and I went, yeah, the man's got some issues away from swinging a golf club. He's like the best <laughs> that's ever swung a golf club. But yeah, um, so I steered away from Tiger, and then I just I, I just was thinking before Steve Kerr. So Steve Kerr played for the Chicago Bulls, won some prem- uh, some championships with the Chicago Bulls through like a really good era for them. But then he's gone on to become the coach of the Golden State Warriors, and he's coached them to some um, championships as well. And he's been like super successful as both a player and a coach. But he's also a really, really good human being, and we've we've shared some stuff from him earlier in the year um, around some of the atrocities that happened in, in America around gun violence and whatnot. And he's taken a really strong stance on that. And he, he comes from what I, I think he's just got like a really good heart and a good person, but he's also a good leader of men. So I like that. And he's had success on the court and he was a really good player as well. Like he was, um, had high shooting percentages, a good shooter, a good point guard. And yeah, obviously won the, won the championships. So I, th- I thought a bit outside the box and he's probably not a typical one, but I like Steve Kerr as my career that I'd like to have. What about That's you, Sarah? A good one. 
Mine would have to be, I think, Chloe Dalton. So Chloe Dalton, she has had experience in a number of sport codes. So she played WNBL here in Australia for the Sydney Uni Flames. She then went over to Rugby Sevens, played in the Aussie squad for a fair bit, went to the Rio Olympics, won a gold medal, came back and did another code switch to AFL where she played with Carlton, but now she's signed to the GWS Giants. She has a fantastic podcast called The Female Athlete Project. She's just such a well-rounded intelligent, awesome human and athlete. I'm just like, girl, you got it all going on. I like that. Like I fully dig that. That's a, a pretty impressive resume and a decent one to, yeah. to, and, and to take on. Yeah. And it's not like she's, you know, not saying that it's unattainable like, because I'm like, I know her personally as well. It's just cool when you're like, you know, kind of stay in the company of like people like Chloe Dalton. So I'm like, yeah, Chloe, kind of want to be like you when I grow up. It, it, like it makes sense when people are so good at like, various sports when they're at the top of one sport you kind of think they're going to be skillful at a lot of different things but that's to go from through all those different sports to be a medalist to all the all those uh, achievements is pretty amazing yeah like you, you play at the highest level each of them so yeah and, and i'm pretty sure she has like a like an Austra- order of australian medal as well so she's she's rocking that and she hasn't even turned 30 I feel like I haven't really achieved much when you hear No, you're like Dean that, Halliday, you worked for that unreal. You played with the illustrious, you had a long, illustrious career. <laughs> like, there's, comparison is the thief of joy, my yes, brother. Yes, I know that. I understand that. I don't like that. But yes. it's still like, yeah. You can still be envious of some Oh, absolutely. That's what, that's what this question's asking about, right? Yeah, it's asking us to compare ourselves. So thanks, Taylor. <laughs> Kudos to you, sweetie. Chloe Dalton, Steve Kerr. Yeah, you heard it here first. Can you be more Pacific? Keeping it social. Back with another week of Keeping It Social. Hala, there have been many fabulous things circulating the internet. What did you find? Well, I stumbled across this on Nathan Cleary's Instagram page and uh, I, I, I loved it. I sat there. I've, I've actually watched it maybe eight or nine times, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's such a, uh, a good clip. And it's Nathan alongside uh, UFC fighters Bam Bam Tuivasa or Tai Tuivasa and uh, Tyson Pedro. Uh, and they've got a special guest appearance from an Australian singer, Shannon Knoll. Well, there's a little boy waiting at the counter of a corner shop. He's been waiting back there, waiting at the day. They never ever seen it from the top. He gets pushed around, knocked to the ground. He gets to his feet and he says, Me. 
colour, that has to be the best social you have ever brought onto this show. Thank you. I, I just stumbled across it, by the way, and it was on Nathan's. It was on top. A bunch of my mates had reshared it as well. So, oh, is Nathan your mate? No, not Nathan. A bunch of my mates had oh, reshared it. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. We chat up occasionally when I like, see him at games and stuff. We'll have a, a conversation. Yeah, fair. I just yeah. think Shannon Noll, we've slept on that artist for a couple of years, but hearing him, I think I've fallen in love with his voice again. He, he does have a fantastic voice. Like, like what RSL is he performing at next? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> May you, Rennell, we're all going to watch Shannon Noll at the next RSL performance he has. What about Nathan Cleary's voice? Mate, he needs to keep that shut. <laughs> have you seen that? I mean, it was like, shut it, Shanice. Like, he needs to shut it. He sucks at singing. Like, love you, Nathan. Like, genuinely love you, but, like, don't sing. You, you, you're not good at it. I, I he's horrible pipes compared to the other two. <laughs> I think in his post, uh, in some of the comments, he might have said that he's more of a rapper than a, than a singer. But And so is everyone else from Western Sydney. <laughs> what was your social for the week, Seth? My social for this week comes from Taniela Tupo. The Wallabies are currently in camp at the moment preparing for some English tests. Taniela Tupo being the character he is sits behind a desk to, uh, I guess, present or pitch some of Cadbury's chocolates to other players. <laughs> and as we know, he still has such a Tongan influence on his voice. And so he, uh, he freshed out a little bit and <laughs> it made everyone laugh, including myself. What do we have? Daniela. Talk what to me. Mean, How's your slideshow there, mate? What are you trying to sell to us? Timina. He's trying to sell, mate. We've been around for more than 100 years. And, uh, one of our new products. Um... <laughs> 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 products. Products. <laughs> so rather than saying, well, you know, one of their products, he just Taniella being like one of their products. And then the boys just ripped him to shreds. So, I, I love how he said they've been around for 100 years. He knows their history. Oh, because you know, no doubt, they would have had to sit in some sort of presentation prior to it. So what was also cool is Angus Bell, who is um, a prop for the Wallabies, he uh, was recording some of the boys because there was a standalone chocolate stand. And the boys, I think Hunter Polsami walks past and he just grabs like bunch loads, but he thinks no one's looking and he puts it into a plastic bag. And all that's captioned is, really, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, like a bit of chocolate. Yes. I would like to just put forward an honourable mention this week for the social of the week, and that's to the Wallaroos who um, put this on their Instagram page. Oh, Lord. Australia is a great sporting nation. We are so proud to have the opportunity to bid for Rugby World Cup 2029. This event will allow us to showcase the best of our country, our rugby community and our united passion to drive this game forward. Our bid celebrates the growth and unstoppable power of women's rugby across Australia, our Pacific region and around the world. 2029 is an opportunity for us to help take this event and our game to new heights. Delivering the very best on and off the field and leading the women's game forward. Now is our time, so let's find together and make sure we bring Rugby World Cup 2029 to Australia. Let's take it to the next level. 
Game on. Oh, my goodness. Game on. I've got chills. Oh, I'm I like glad. that. I'm glad. I love the music underneath it, too. Well done, Sarah. Thank you. I'm like, who does she think she is? It's because of this radio show and you guys giving me a mic that I've uh, had the opportunity to do other things. But no, it's a it's a very strong, strong piece of content. And yeah, as um, you mentioned, it's uh, Australia. They have um, announced that they will be bidding for 2029 World Cup. So how cool would it be to host something like that on home soil? That'd be awesome. Are we a chance? Pardon? We are the preferred candidate. Well, after that post how can we not be man i'm going all around the world with that voice that big husky voice my dad my dad didn't give me many things but this deep husky voice making me the dollars (laughs) sarah and dean with the best of can you be more pacific on abc radio australia That's all we have time for. If you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time. Or you can find all our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's here. More there. Can You Be More Pacific? An ABC sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.